wow, that was way shorter than the other intro you made. <laughs> You're used to the longer one. Right? I was, I was getting ready to start dancing, and it was already over. What? <laughs> What's uh, happened in Indian Invasion, peeps? Welcome to the fastest 30 minutes in gaming, as we have been dubbed by Todd. I got to get out making that shirt. I was thinking of that yesterday. Right? That should be a good Christmas shirt. I'm thinking of going on Redbubble myself and getting myself a a hoodie and a couple of shirts and well you know stuff. i think just this past week i don't know if it ended already they had sales on there i saw that and i almost went on and got it but i didn't you mean you didn't pull the trigger on this? i didn't and that one's hurting me man because i'm a zip up hoodie kind of guy because <laughs> you know, it doesn't get that cold here so no but that's about the biggest jacket that i need oh there he is there he yep. is good morning alder so if I you guys that, are uh, jumping in, say sweet, hello. So did you see that sweet coffee cup that Alder posted a picture of? Yes, I did. I did. Um, I'm glad he got it in a timely manner all the way across the world. Yeah. And I hadn't seen the blue background one yet. That looked pretty good. I think um, when I was doing all that up on uh, Red Bubble, it was just one of those choices you have, you know, right. for a a color and i was like no, i'll leave it like this see i mean yeah, it's basically sure. it's the color. same thing as the other one it's just a different yeah, choice absolutely what's happening todd slash clem welcome to the show so what have you been up to this week eric anything hobby related well yeah i've been continuing off uh if you guys joined us last friday for our little hobby hangout that we did thanks for joining um i've actually been still working on some of that stuff because uh i pretty much only got two out of the five really like done done um working on the one newer monster apocalypse fi figure i got i got uh got incinerous for a decent price at the local store um nice you know i figure for 20 bucks i'll try them paint them you know see what's like it's, it's pretty fun model to paint actually yeah and then dragged out some next wave of car war cars to work on you hear that, Todd? I'm I'm catching up. And uh, I don't know if you can catch him, man. He's already 3D yeah, he's printing drivers for his for his cars. But I mm. um I got a bunch of stuff in the mail this week that I plan on doing maybe a mail call video. Um, I got Silver Bayonet came in, and my Kickstarter nice. for Pulp Alley came in. And because those came in, I had to go get clear bases because <laughs> I got <laughs> oh, like. Yeah. What did I just tell you? Like almost 50 models that I I got to get bases for now. Yep. And I just ordered a lot of clear bases myself because I was, I got plenty of 40 mils left, but not so many on the thirties. Okay. So yeah, I, actually, up, I got go a ahead. bunch of 28s for the Pulp Valley. Some of the oh, okay. smaller All ones. Right. All right. Tyler says he had a blast last Friday. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, no, Todd says to be clear, the drivers he got off of Etsy, no resin printer. Yeah, but they were they were there was at least one of them painted. So yeah, he's getting, he's getting ahead of you on that. Yeah, I had a blast last Friday too. We're definitely going to do that again. That was a lot of fun. Um, so I've been working on some stuff too, but I have to start with one thing. So um, that was so much fun. I'm thinking we haven't talked about it yet, but it's probably got to be a monthly thing or something. Yeah, that was, think, that was a lot of fun. I think, uh, in the past 
we were doing it. We were doing it weekly for a while, just during COVID to talk yeah. to our, you know, hang out with our friends. Um, and I know it was a while ago we were talking about, we should do that again, something special with the show, do it. Yeah. And I was thinking once a month, you know, like at the end of the yeah. month, just do a hangout. People can work on the stuff that they've gotten within the last month. And, yeah. And, um, and I think that with Christmas too, everybody will be home. So we'll yeah. probably, we'll probably do something yeah. special for Christmas yeah. too. I see you have a tree back there. I we just decorated our tree upstairs last night. So I already had to chase tonight. the cat away because he's chewing on the dang thing. Yeah, <laughs> we did ours. We did ours tonight. I've been going nuts on my twisted stuff, man. I just been painting like a madman. I got two have. new models. It's always fun when you get something all the way from Australia. I got them yesterday. They're already both done. I had to. I had to knock them out. So there you go. You missed the ding again. I said twisted. Man, I got to get you a real bell. Yeah, I got to get a real bell. Um, so that's what I've been working on. I got my my big city back here, so that's what I've been that's what I've been working on. Just adding a whole bunch of models to it, hunting Christ stuff late. down, uh, using a lot of guild ball stuff, some Kings of War models. But I mean, anybody that's in the Twisted group has seen that for a long time. That I just add models to to Twisted at my leisure. Twisted mm -hmm. and Drowned Earth are the best two games for me to do that for because there's so much cool stuff out there for both of them yeah yeah i mean it's not that it's uh like a generic setting because it's not it's your victorian steampunk yeah but there's so many other i think games from you know that are gone already or current games yeah. that you could just take bits and pieces and it because of the theme it just works yeah, because you can you can do the steampunk part of it and you can incorporate that pretty easily. But yeah. since it's the world is twisted, it can be anything. You can I be three that. little pigs. You know <laughs> what I mean? It can be it can be just anything. As a matter of fact, um uh Tonio, I think I messed up. I I'm I'm not sure. I was using the name Elton because that is your Twitch handle and i think i messed your name up so you need to correct me um if i was doing that but i saw on his facebook page he had a friend of his and i missed i'm so sad i missed this kickstarter there were little tiny garden gnome warriors they they were awesome they were little tiny resin garden gnomes and they were so awesome i loved them but the kickstarter was over i found the website and went to it but they're okay. out of stock so oh I'm, man i'm sad i'm sad about that just do what but i do keep those windows open all the time because you never no, know when you have to no, go back to no. it do you, do you see how often i post all these different models i find anyway i do not need extra Oh man, I okay. got about 60 open on my phone. <laughs> okay, so that's your real name, but what do you prefer to oh Tom, look at what he did to me in the comments? Tom still takes pre-orders. <laughs> yes, I did. I looked him up. I found him. I found him. Tom Mason. I did. I found him. And, and they were they were super cool. If you guys are looking for some fun stuff, he also has a big line of um goblins, little silly goblins. They kind of reminded me of uh, like they would be out of labyrinth. Okay. That was that was kind of the feel of them for me anyway, but they were super cool. Cool, cool. So that's some of the stuff we've been up to. Um we should probably jump into it tonight, huh? Let's do it. Let's All do right. it. So tonight we have a, actually it's a topic that came by our good friend 
Allen at Discover Games. Yep. And it's basically what makes a good convention game that you would play and then buy afterwards. So it kind of got our wheels turning on our head. And uh, we kind of wanted to go over, you know, cons are starting to gear back up. So whether you're going to just attend or maybe you're, you know, helping a booth or running a booth and, you know, you're planning on showing off a game uh, to people. We kind of wanted to touch on what makes a good con game. Um, So we broke it down a little bit of, you know, stuff that you would look for uh, in a good con game, Uh, whether, like I said, you're attending or maybe you're a store. Yeah. And it's a little bit selfishly motivated, not going to lie, because Alan and I are getting ready to we we team up at the conventions. He sells the stuff and I run the games. I'm sure everyone in the comment section will only too quickly say, oh, you're the one that talks to everyone, right? Yes. It's the hype man. Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, So we were kind of looking at what we wanted to do, what we wanted to take, where uh, we're talking to, have been talking to the guys at uh, Demented Games. That's how I kept you from ringing the bell. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. The guys at Demented Games about um, doing real hard push for Twisted here in the states at the convention. So we're kind of um, we're looking definitely looking for feedback from you guys too as we go through this stuff. <laughs> I like I like Mike's uh, uh, <laughs> suggestion, card, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true that is very true um mm. and, and we could make a lot of money off of that too right? heck yeah so you can make a lot of money all right so we are let's get these comments out real quick and then we'll jump into your question so todd said easy to understand core rules lots of variation to master yeah that's that's definitely good Alder says, great looking table, great looking mini- minis, basic rules that moves the game quickly. Yep, yeah, yep. I've, I've always been, um, in my mind, if, if your table can catch somebody's eye from across the room at a convention, then at the very least, they're going to come over and look. And yeah, if they come over in. and look, yeah, you can, you can suck them in. So I think the visual is is huge. It was one of the reasons that I loved running um, Deep Wars games was because it was very opposite of what you typically saw at a convention. Because since the game was underwater, you had all of this colorful terrain. Yeah, it was like the it wasn't the bottom of the ocean, but go read the fluff. It's good. Or if you don't want to read the fluff, go listen on the podcast to all the stories that are read on there and you won't have to read it. You can just listen, but it, <laughs> but it was super colorful and people would see it from across the room. Cause it wasn't the, the gray bloody shattered building that you typically see in 99% of the, the tabletop games. Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually one of our first talking points was, is the game visual? And I think that, I think that you're, I want to say it's when you're beginning things to look at a game, um, yeah. you know, to draw somebody in. I, there's been a lot of booths that I've walked by and you see something that, like you said, that's bright, colorful or, you know, is just very extravagant, you know, in their terrain. You know, that wow factor, you know, you only get one shot at that first impression sometimes. And if you have that where somebody's walking by and they get whiplash looking at and say, what, what is right. that? You know, I think that's a big, important thing, regardless of game rules and, you know, 
if there's tons of minis or not, is that visual grab. You want to grab them. I mean, as yeah. as a species, humans are very visual. I mean, oh, that's yeah, what absolutely. drives us, you know, 24-7 is visuals. Um, so that was, yeah, I think that's a very, very important topic. And uh, was it Alton that brought this up was easy to teach and play. I think that's another yeah. thing. You 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 don't want to, you know, go up to a game or show off a game that you just, you know, if you're telling it or you're listening to those rule sets that you just kind of glaze over and it goes. Yeah. You know, and I, well, I think you can have a game that has that kind of depth. It's kind of like Todd was um, alluding to earlier is that uh, a simple rule set, but with lots of variation. So I think even if you have a game that has deep rules, lots of stuff to it, um, you can introduce it with basic game mechanics Yeah, because those, those basic game mechanics are really what's going to draw somebody anyway, because the, the core of it has to be good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. and so I think it can be really complex. It can be a really deep involved kind of game that has a lot of layers to it. But you can present, I think presenting it, and this is Mike referenced this, he's saying great presentation skills and knowing your product is you can present it in a way where you're using oh, yeah. some of the rules, but not necessarily all of them. And you can still, and, and it's like you're, you're, um, you're enticing them too, because you can say, you know, oh, well, you, you know, in the advanced rules, you can do this. And a lot of times when I run demos, what I'll do is I usually run about, 10 to 14 hours during the day, depending on what time I get up from, from the previous night. But I'll usually the first half of that, uh, I'll, I'll just run those quick games. And then mm-hmm. I'll tell people, especially the ones that were really interested. And especially if they go and buy something, I'll be like, why don't you come back after we slow down a little bit and I will do a full game. We'll, we'll play the, we'll play all the rules and I'll introduce you to everything. So I think that that, yeah, you, uh, Todd. I, I Todd says you got to have a good hype man, and I can't speak to that strongly enough. That makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Because if you're boring and have an amazing game, it, I mean, there's it, it better be pretty it amazing. Has, a lot of it is the world. I mean, it's how you how you're selling the world. You're making yeah. it sound cool, not just mechanics, but just the world itself. And yeah, if you're just kind of monotonous, you know. Yep that's not very exciting. You got to be excited about it. And, yeah. you know, if you're listening to somebody that's excited about their game, like, you know, it, it will rub off on you. It's like, yeah, man, I want to be part of that world and absolutely you know, throw down. Well, another idea to think of is multiplayer or two player. Um, a lot of times, like our, our good friend, Bob Beauchamp, he goes to Adepticon every year with his kids. And I know for a fact, when he looks at, uh, the game tables and does demos. They do like almost as many demos as they can. He's always looking at two player games, you know, stuff right. that he can play with his son or, you know, with some of the other kids. Uh, so, I mean, that's something to keep in mind, but then also if you have a, a group, you know, maybe yeah. you have a club, you, you got to look at how many players can we play like right. with this. I mean, right. If it's flexible, that's great. That's even better possibilities. Like, you know, our favorite urban manhunt. I can play it solo. I can play it with four yeah. people. We can probably experiment and do six people. I mean, um, 
the more people sometimes the better but maybe you don't have access to that stuff maybe yeah. it is just you and your family so and you, it's it's kind of hard to trump urban manhunt on how many people you can get to the table with that game because yeah. you, you can get a lot of people when you're only controlling one miniature reminds me of like the yeah. number of people you can get to the table with wings of glory everybody having one plane you can have 13 people playing oh yeah yeah so, and i, I mean, always we, try i always try when i go to conventions is be, because all of the games that i play i think any game can be played multiplayer particularly at a con you just have to work out the scenario correctly yeah. and whenever i go i make sure that i have a multiplayer scenario available and and just a one-on-one -on -one scenario available okay. ideally what i like to do is have two people come to the table and i'll just kind of game master what they're doing and instruct as we go along but i always like to have that multiplayer one because every once in a while you'll get that wave of people that come to the table and if you don't get them playing the game you lose them because there's somebody mm -hmm. else on the other side of the room with another game this going to do the same thing and they're going to have table space for him. So. Yeah. I, I mentioned Bob and he chimed in here. Uh, he says, that's the key. Doesn't matter how cool I, th I think it is as a, the parent, you have to sell the kid on it. Yeah. If, if he, let's see, what's he say? If we won't play it at home, it doesn't come home. So basically if, yeah, they don't capture the kids. Right. Cause yeah, sometimes, like I said, many of us, it's just your family. If you can't sell it to the kids, then yeah. Yeah. Why you're an oak, Bob, because I mean, even if I'm not going to play it at home, sometimes it still comes home. So you, sir, you just, are an oak. You just like looking at it on the shelf, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, if nothing else, I'm going to take the miniatures out of it and add them to Twisted, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. You can multi-purpose them. All right. So I had another point for kind of game and the kind of game that it could be either casual game uh, whether it's a card game or it could be a mini game too, or tournament play. I know yeah. a lot of people get into games because they want that competitive tournament, you know, best yeah. of the best. Let's have fun. That that's, that's their jam. But then there's a lot of people that really don't like that. I've kind of turned into that where I don't especially like tournament play. Yeah. Um, I'm a casual player anymore. I don't care if I win or lose. I just want to have a good time. Yeah. So, uh, and there's many games that are out there that are like that. I mean, you think about a board game, most board games are casual play. You know, you're just yeah. a family Except night Monopoly. game. Night. Except Monopoly. That's, That's ruthless. Through. Yeah. Right. Ruthless. <laughs> it breaks up families. Monopoly does. But then a lot of your, your dual games, whether it's a card game or yeah. most miniature games are dual games where it's one side versus the others, you know, that's. There's many, many, many tournaments based around that. I mean, I could just rattle them off. X-Wing, any of the games, workshop games, you know. Yeah. There's so many of them out there that, I mean, most of these conventions that uh, we go to, they build it around, okay, we're having this tournament for right. this game. Right. So Freeblades has a, a big tournament scene, and they do, like, they do regular tournaments. They're real consistent with theirs. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think that they've kind of struck gold with their tournaments because I, I, I'm in the group, the Facebook group, and I see a lot of the talk and it's competitive, but it's friendly. It's like, what is this strange competitive group that they've created that's actually friendly and playing a narrative competitive game? Yeah, what is yeah. this? Uh, Bob makes a good point, and this is funny too because table space being super key, like being point. able to get people to the table, Arena Rex, 
Bob, I had the same problem with the same game. Arena Rex was awesome looking and I couldn't get a demo in. Now I still bought the game. (laughs) (laughs) You saw enough through the through, And I'm not very tall either. So I had to kind (laughs) of force my way in there a little bit, but it is a really good game, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, The the year I went to Adepticon, they were there and man, you couldn't get within eight feet of the table. No, it that was, was so what, the second year I think that they made an appearance with that thing, and so. it was still hot. Yep. <clears throat> okay. So our next talking point is what they have to offer. So we're talking about when you go up to a, a booth, you know, you, you kind of not besides the game, you want to see what else they have to offer for that game. And I think uh, the first thing is what do they have to sell, right? Whether it's a rule book. We talk right. about this all the time, miniatures or terrain. I mean, there's a lot of independent games out there that they just have the rule book. And yeah. we've we've said this before that if a lot of these games have miniatures, sometimes that's more of a buy-in. Um, yeah. You know, some people just, I don't know, maybe they don't have a big collection that they can use any mini or they just don't want to put in that time and money and right. effort to hunt miniatures down. Right. Um, and and we've experienced that before in conventions with, um, I'll use Urban Manhunt as an example. It is an amazing convention game, but you can buy everything for Urban Manhunt. Um, what is it? Uh, four books now. So it's the companion. Well, that's probably just me because I have three rule books. So it's probably only, <laughs> it's probably only two. It's probably two only right two now. books. Um, and I just have four, but it's two books. And, and that's great for you know, getting into a game cheap. But since we're talking about running games at conventions, the problem that you run into there is, so for me, I just go to run games. So I'm not bringing a store. I'm not expecting to make money. But since I go with Discover Games, we work together. I'll run a game. He makes sure he brings stock of that game so that, you know, basically I'm the pitch man for the game so mm-hmm. that he sells it and makes money off of it. But if there's nothing to sell except a book, it's way different. I can remember uh, one gentleman, his name was Chris. I'm not going to throw his last name out there, but he was at Siege of Augusta. And he pl- he must have played 10 games of Twisted, man. I mean, he was he he started running demos for me. He had played so many demos wow, of Twisted. Really? And then he went over and bought almost everything that Alan had for the game. That's he just funny. he's standing over there. There was another gentleman too, and I, for the life of me, can't remember his name. But he did the same thing. He bought so much stuff, we had to take a picture of him. I remember that you picture. Remember yeah, that it's, picture? it's he had somewhere this, on the Facebooks. He had the game back. box and just stacks of starter sets and all kinds yeah. of other stuff on. Yeah, on and that's top. that's something Todd brought up with starter sets. Yeah, uh, that's a great great thing to have if the company has easy get you started. That's why they have these things easy yeah. entry into the game that. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard to keep somebody's attention. And realistically, for all of us, when we go to cons, we've set aside a little bit of money. We know we're going to a convention, so we're there to a spend our bit of money. money. Well, you know, I mean, it depends on how bad of an addiction you have, but um, uh, but it, that's the reality of it. You're going there knowing that you're going to spend money, so you put aside some money because it's your play money, and that's what you're going to do. Yeah. So when you go. And you do like those two guys did at Siege of Augusta. They had their spending money. They, they brought their spending money and they 
and they spent it all <laughs> right there with Allen. Yep. <clears throat> so that's cool that, uh, you know, they did the, they tried the game out. They loved it. They looked, okay, what else is there? Oh, there's all this stuff. Right. The, in it. And a, as, as a person like that, when I go to look at games too, I'm like that too. If Me they too. just got, yeah. you know, one thing, it's like, well, yeah, okay. That's nice to have, but then I have to look for the other stuff. But yeah, if they have all the, all the stuff, blisters um, blister packs too because then you have yeah. a whole thing to look through and i um, i like what tim said here you know if they don't have much to sell i'm afraid they won't have the follow-up to keep the right. game alive so that's right. another thing you know you don't want to get into a game and then six months later before you even had a chance to play it it's like right. okay it's dead right so absolutely i can um, see that and, being a worry and some of that i mean in in the grand scheme of things some of that doesn't matter so if you take a game like urban manhunt that game survives, I think, because number one, the, the flavor of it is amazing. The, the yeah. whole game and the gameplay is really awesome. But it's also something you can play solo and yeah. play solo easily. So that helps to keep it alive. But I, but I agree with you, Tim, is it's like, what's the next step? And yeah. what is the next thing you're going to release? Um, I know James from the drowned earth for Olmec games. He is now that he's pa almost past this next Kickstarter. He's setting up a regular release schedule for mm -hmm. models. Now he's, he's a real smart businessman. If it wasn't for COVID, I would have had my Kickstarter a long time ago. I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned before he delivered his first Kickstarter. He was mad because he only delivered it a month early yeah. instead of the two months early he was planning. So he's very, you know, dot the I's cross the T's kind of guy. So it, he's setting up this release schedule. So that's going to be great. Okay. So another one is uh, I think ease of stock and to get from the company. So that could be whether it's in the yep. States for all us in the U S or, you know, I'm in the U S I like this game. That's British or Australian or shoot. It could be somewhere in Europe. Can I get the game easily? Is it going right. to cost me? you know, shipping going to cost more than the game actually costs. Right. So, right. I mean, that's something to think about is ease of getting the game. And right. uh, for when Wild West Exodus was first starting with War Cradle, we had a hard time getting it in the States because the, the distributors being UK, they just, I don't know, they didn't, they had right. problems stocking it. Um, and I think it's because they still had stuff from when Outlaw had it. So there's right. kind of like, you know, they didn't want to take a chance. Maybe I don't know for sure know. what the whole deal was, but it, it was hard to get, you know, you're online you say, Oh, look at the new stuff. Oh, I can't get it. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think a lot of the, um, there, there are, I think a lot, I say a lot, but there, there are several game stores in the States that are regularly carrying, um, stuff from overseas yeah stuff from independent developers i don't know too many people that are carrying twisted and the drowned earth in the states i know there's a few but there's not a whole bunch um let's see adam said it, uh, he hasn't bought a new mini in over a year wow you're my hero yeah uh, 3d printer about a year ago done all the minis that way that's great don't mind seeing those companies that just produce rules i love them too i, I really do um the the miniatures agnostic games but and he followed that up with he's not much of a convention goer either so so that that's the flip side of it when you're doing it 
outside of when you're not thinking about conventions in relation to it. That's that's a whole nother dynamic in how you push the game, how you publicize it, how you get people involved in it. Everything mm -hmm. about it becomes different uh, when you're not hitting the conventions. So Tim makes another good point too. Intimidated if they have a massive amount of product. I, th I think I that's how people feel when they first approach 40K. Oh, yeah. Be because there's just so much to choose from and you don't even know where to begin. Yeah, yeah. And then so you it's like, what do you do? Do you buy a book to read through a faction book and see, okay, what can I use? Or um, the nice thing, though, with Games Workshop, uh, and there's many companies that do this, is they have a very good online uh, presence or right. like, a, a, a you know, their community presence so you can go and ask questions and you know get on discord ding 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 hint hint <laughs> nudge, nudge. and ask questions from you know the player base uh hey i'm looking to get into this what do i need to start right. and most communities are very helpful oh just start with this you know yes. this starter set well, going back to the starter sets um yeah so even your mega super hyper competitive communities if you want to get into the game they're going to let you know what you need. Yep. You know, yep. regardless if they want to beat on you and just crush you to the ground or <laughs> which they do, <laughs> which they do. That's in a competitive scene. That is exactly what they want to do. Uh, let's see. So another thing, uh, what they have to offer, I thought was kind of goes with uh, ease of stock is whether the company's a U.S. or other parts of the world that kind of yeah. goes in with that. Uh but also, I think a big important one for me, uh, and I know there's been some people that have kind of got uh, a little, oh, what do I want to say, butt hurt <laughs> a little bit when it comes to uh, support from the publisher. Right. Um, you know, does this publisher have good support for whether it's the community that is, you know, helping push their game or just the players in general? Right. Uh, you know, if I had a question as a player, are they going to, you know, answer it, you know, within a day, I think is, you know, two right. days. Or is it going to be a month before I hear from them uh, and they're just like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you're out of luck type of thing. Have a good one, Alder. Alder, I hanging on. Um, so I think, yeah, support for, yeah. you know, the game or uh, as a company overall. I, I think you it's, see that a lot in, and I, I can name several games where, if you go on their Facebook group or their Discord, when the creator of the game or the or the developer is answering your questions, that's a good community. War Cradle does that. Relic yeah, Blade yeah. does that. Twisted does that. Olmec Games does that for Drowned Earth. You know what I mean? And, and those games, when you're getting an answer for a question on a game about the guy from the guy that developed it, yeah, that's community. That's community engagement to me. And um, that's one and of then, the things that we really like about these. Uh, independent publishers right. right is it's usually it's a guy who's it's his side job his hobby yep. is creating that game so they're more you know they're passionate about the game just as much as a player would be yeah so tim says is there a good way for companies to show their online presence at a con i don't know i mean maybe if you had a maybe if you brought a tv screen with you and had it up behind you other yeah. than that, I mean, handing out a card that has your online store on it or something like that. A banner or uh, even, yeah. 
even just uh, like if they made a short video of, you know, kind of the product and they flash in there, you know, yeah. check us out at www.com, put on a, a iPad or something, you yeah. know, playing think, on the thing. The I think the biggest table. thing you need, whether you're at a convention or at your game store, you need a champion. You yeah. need a champion for the game. You need somebody that's going to say, all right, well, I'll do I'll do games on Tuesday night if you have a um, a co- uh, uh, someone who can commit that time. You know, you do a Tuesday night, you do Tuesday Twisted. It went to sleep on me. Wait, oh, I'll see you there. Okay. There you go. But you do something like that and you have somebody that's going to champion the game. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going to have that champion and you're at the store or you're at the con, you got to have the stuff there because it's that, and this probably sounds terrible, but it's that impulse buy because you just finish a demo oh, of a game and you crush somebody in it. Strangers and you go, that. What are you talking and you about? You go, man, this is amazing. And little <laughs> do you know that I need it all. Little do you know that you were, you didn't really crush the person in the demo. They kind of let you win the demo, you know? So, but that's okay because you went and bought everything for the game and now they have someone right. to play against and you can that's crush right. them later. Um, All right, so I saw we're getting, we're actually already over. So let's uh-oh. run through where they might fit in real quick, and we'll wrap up today's right. shorts. Ready to so go. where they might fit fit in con dependent. Uh, so the type of con, right? Right. We're talking historical RPG con, uh, just your general open con. Um, you know, you, you think about that for when you're deciding. Uh, to play a game does this game fit in this kind of con because usually if you're going to a specific con like that right like you're going to an rpg con i don't think you really want to yeah many games don't fly so well. <laughs> yeah 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 um also something to take to a bigger con so think about that uh your gen con versus say mace both great conventions but different sides of the spectrum right uh gen con covers anything and everything and it's huge and it's it's just it's almost a little bit too crazy you've never been there i'm gonna drag you to there one of these days not going but then mace is that you know that nice small almost like family oriented you know your group of friends hanging out and playing games so that's another thing to think about and then the last one I got here is will games sell better at the cons versus a shop versus online? Right. So that overall experience, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a tough question to answer. And I think it's game yeah. dependent. And I think yeah, one of is. the big thing, one of the big things, and you hit on it earlier was um, what, what can people expect next? I think that if there's, too long of a lull in between a release mm-hmm. then people you know you you lose the hype train slows down too much and it's too hard to get it started going again yeah so i think that a release schedule and yeah i mean we're just we're just talking out of the sides of our mouth man we don't know anything we just go to conventions and play with little tiny plastic soldiers you know <laughs> what i'm saying it's not like we're experts on this or anything like that but that's just been my experience with it is that people tend to lose the motivation if there's not some kind of release, even if it's only one model at a time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hit the iron when it's hot. That's right. I mean, that's in a lot, right. a lot of different uh, business models are all about that. So it's not just that. Anyway, I think that that's a good thing to do is have even, even a basic release schedule. If you're releasing a model 
at least every two months, something people can come to expect where there's a, there's hype to expect. It's like, Oh man, it's January 1st is coming. You know what that means? So-and-so company is going to be releasing a new model. And then, and then the train, the train keeps rolling. That's right. Okay. Fastest 36 minutes in. Yeah. I'm taking a sip right now. (laughs) Well, you guys, that about does it for tonight's uh, shorts. If you guys had any more comments you want to, you know, add to this show tonight, you guys can put them right in the comments. We'll, they'll still be good. Or, you know, you can send us an email, you know, uh, we can continue this. Or better yet, get this, Matt, get on Discord, continue <laughs> the conversation there. <laughs> but thanks, you guys, for joining us on this Thursday's shorts. Uh if you're new to the show or just want some more content, you can find more audio content that we have on all your podcast platforms for your listening pleasure. And for video, check us out on the YouTube channel for things like unboxings, impressions of great indie games. And you know what, you guys, you can visit us on all the social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram to see what we're getting into and please, please join our growing community over on the Discord. Uh, a lot of the guys are posting the projects they're working on. We love seeing what you guys are getting at, you know, into because it kind of motivates us, uh, gets us geared up to get into that because it looks pretty cool. Um, also, let's see. You can find all these links in the show notes down below. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it, uh, once we put it in the audio form, or you can look on our sponsor webpage, which is coastaltext.com. We have direct links on the webpage there. Uh, you can actually listen to the podcast there. Uh, you can check out some of our friends of the show there and check it out, guys. We got lots of stuff on there for you guys to check out. And if you would like to support us on what we're doing, Visit us at Patreon backslash Indie Invasion. We really appreciate it. But the best thing you can do to help spread the word is share with a friend. Tell them about us. Hey, I know this cool podcast slash YouTube show that covers independent games. We appreciate that. And lastly, if you need something to wear, it's getting chilly out. You might need a hoodie. Check us out and all our merch we have at the Red Bubble store. Uh, it's Redbubble slash people slash Indie Invasion. Doing it all off the top of my head there. <laughs> but that's it, guys. So until next time, thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. And till then, prepare for the invasion, guys. We'll see ya. <laughs>